Hello again, dear listener. I'm here to let you know that this is the start of the show. Welcome to Fine, a previously recorded evening of storytelling and otherwise. This episode took place on January 2019, 2019, at the Lido, which is on the traditional, ancestral, unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, or Vancouver, BC. You'll be hearing from some of the excellent lineup of writers and comedians we had that night, including Tim Lorica, Sophia Rose Mujedge, Jen Neal, and Abdul Aziz. And throughout the episode today, you'll hear music from Milk, who you can find on iTunes and Bandcamp. The song we started the show with is called Lawn, from their most recent album, Mattress Ranch. And we have a live show coming up at the Lido on March 25th, 2019, that you can come and check out if you'd like. Analysts predict it's going to be a nice time. For more info on that, go to affineshow.com or follow us on the social medias at affineshow. Alright, I'm your host, Cole Nowicki. Let's get on with it. Enjoy the show. Up first, we have Tin Lorica. They are an emerging queer Filipinox poet and stand-up comedian based in unceded Coast Salish territories. Their poetry has been featured by the Real Vancouver Writer series and the co-host-slash-produced Millennial Line, a fantastic monthly poetry and comedy show. The next edition is happening at Redgate on April 18th. Here's Tin. Well, it's strange the way the memories won't stay Hello. Do any of you work at a startup? You look like you work at a startup. (laughs) Does anyone work in like customer service? You know when you're like forced to be like super positive because you're trying to like keep the morale really high? So yeah, it's fake. (laughs) So everyone like feels like they're making an equal contribution to the workplace even though they're not. But also people say, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. If I believe that, I wouldn't be up here. So, okay, um, I'm just, like, I'm just not a team player, right? And I'm, like, in the coffee world, I'm, like, really close to hitting the supervisor rung. <laughs> my coffee shop. I'm up here today, so, like, I'm, I'm doing okay. Okay, so, like, here's... Here's what you say to your useless coworker or your mediocre hookup. <coughs> Thank you for your energy. <laughs> Feel free to use that. It also it also works for small children, you know when they're like trying to like help you with a chore. Like that's so cute. Thank you for your energy. It's 2019. Guys have um, hopes and dreams for your year. <laughs> like, anyone make any resolutions? My um, my sister is quitting smoking, so she took up vaping. <laughs> Did you guys know that vaping is ninety percent talking about vaping? <laughs> like, number one rule of vape club is talk about vape club. Did anyone get any cool 
presents over the holidays? Do you get anything cool? Yeah. That's awesome. That's priceless. <laughs> Congratulations. Anyone get any earpods? Airpods? That's cool. Um, I received my first dick pic <laughs> over the holidays. It wasn't unsolicited, but like my heart wasn't really in it, you know? <laughs> like I was more invested in watching Jeopardy with my dad who I haven't seen in like over a year. So like, I don't sext. I was just like naive enough to um, think that I would receive the same thing that I like gave to this conversation, you know, with this like cis straight dude. I don't know why I even bother. Like my adorable contribution was a picture of my face and instead I receive a dick pic. <laughs> so um, yeah, I feel like cis straight dudes are like not very good at like enthusiastic consent. That's like a concept that just goes over the heads because it's like not just like a simple yes or no, right? Like it's a like, you know, like layers of trust and like body language and stuff. So I'm just like trying to put that concept in a way that those people might understand. So here's what I, so here's what I came up with. <laughs> Enthusiastic consent is like two-step verification. <laughs> like for your email account. <laughs> but in this case, the first step would be to actually make sure that that person wants to receive a disembodied meat shot And the second step would be to delete it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it didn't really change me, you know, like receiving my first dick pic. Still me. <laughs> you guys do shrooms? Yeah. yeah, of course. This is East Ben. Um, I did shrooms last summer with a friend and I kept doing this bit to her like every five minutes where I would turn to her and ask, hey, you know what I love? Feeling safe. <laughs> Just can't get enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime that like a group of like frat boys or like a bunch of cool teens would walk towards us, I would say that bit even louder, like, hey, you know what I love? <sighs> Feeling safe. <laughs> just like, yeah, you know when you're in shrooms, you just like, everything you say is genius. <laughs> like, when you're in shrooms, you can just create these worlds where you can will away danger with just a few words. Like, the general logic that I was following while I was under psychedelic drugs was dropping hints that I love to feel safe <laughs> would really turn away a potential attacker. <laughs> Let, let's, let's, let's try it all tonight and report back. <sighs> yeah. Also, like, 
my piece of advice for you guys is um, don't do shrooms on the Granville Strip on a weekend. Because <laughs> my friend got sick of me like so fast doing that bit. Like she would threaten to call me, um, she would get me to threaten to call her daddy and just like, like leave me there in the middle of downtown. You know what it makes me feel safe when I'm on a first date? Witnesses. <laughs> I'm not done, I'm just, just trying to feel comfortable. <laughs> I love to feel comfortable and safe. <laughs> so um, I identify as non-binary and I use they them pronouns if you wanna talk shit about me after the show. But before like, I learned of that term non-binary, right, like, I feel like my particular expression of gender was heavily inspired by lesbian icon and sex symbol Michael Sarah. <laughs> I, went to a, I went to a high school in like suburban Alberta where the high school population was like 80% jocks. So like, I really needed to think of my life as a teen movie to get through it, you know? Like, Michael Sarah saved my life. I just really wanted to emulate the whole like virginal, dorky, hipster vibe. And um, yeah, at, at age 15, like, that was the least toxic model of masculinity that I could find. And now at age 25, I'm like the pr Vancouver's premier non-brighter Michael Sarah bitch with bangs. <laughs> That's pretty low stakes, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, internalized racism. Have you heard of it? In 2019, I'm just like, one of the ways that I'm trying to heal from that is by accepting that I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> like I'm trying to accept that lactose intolerance is this like real condition and not just like a personal failing, you know? <laughs> like I gaslighted myself so hard into thinking that I was lactose hesitant at best. <laughs> and I'm learning that eating things don't like have to cause you pain. So, um. I just, I was experimenting with some cheese <laughs> a while back and I found some of that Baby Bell stuff in my parents' fridge. I, um, I didn't know you were supposed to like peel back the, <laughs> the wax casing, so. That's my journey with healing from internalized racism. <laughs> Love to feel safe, love to feel comfortable. <laughs> Do you guys know what's good harm reduction? You know, when you're like trying to not eat dairy but you're lactose intolerant? Diet cheese, right? Tastes like ass. <laughs> like I'll eat it, it's just not my favorite flavor. <clears throat> I don't know why I tried to do that for the first time tonight. <laughs>
Not eat, not eat us. I mean, uh, let's talk about the diet cheese joke. Oh my God, I'm such a snowflake. Like, non-binary, loves to feel safe, <laughs> lactose intolerance. You know, you know those like horrible headlines on the news lately where people are like, what's with this like trend that like teens are catching on? You know, they just like, they love to be trans. I just feel like, like, leave them alone, you know? Like, what's wrong with, like, catching on to a trend? Like, I feel like every era, every generation, like, catches on to a trend that, like, really validates, like, who they are as a person, you know? And it, like, you know, feels good to who they are at the core. It's like, I remember that, uh, you know, that cultural moment that straight men had when they discovered lotion. and they were metrosexuals. <laughs> yeah. That concludes my comedy version of this set. I'm gonna switch gears. I would love to bum you all out now. I'm, I'm a poet. I have time, right? Cool. Okay, cool. I'm gonna get super vulnerable with you guys right now. Thank you for your energy. <laughs> <clears throat> so I have a poem. It's called Unfeeling Safe. <laughs> Let's see how funny it is. Okay. <clears throat> you know what I love? Feeling safe. Can I please be in my own womb and not my mother's? That is a more comforting exercise in thought. Between the adrenaline and the growing dread, I have to relearn how to breathe like I'm actually trying to exist. I was born with a free will to slouch as much as I want, my body folding unto itself in self-embrace or surrender. There seems to be some universal understanding of when it is time to dance, where there is rhythm and movement, a flight response is in its place, or a paranormally strong urge to stay completely still while everyone freely utilizes their God-given limbs. I imagine that there are no absolutes on the dance floor. You know what I want? I want to hide forever, but I would like to thrive publicly. Can you tell that I've never written a feral poem? I'm afraid I'm set in my ways. Thanks, guys. Up next is Sophia Rose Mujic. She's an interdisciplinary carrier First Nations artist who lives and performs music and poetry in the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. She's a slave to the muse, loves to busk in East Van, and is currently attending the writer's studio at SFU as a poetry student. Here's Zofia. saw me in something called Indigenous Brilliance, which is happening again this year, which is 
part of the Growing Room Festival. Yeah, people have heard of that. Fuck yeah. Okay. Um, wicked. I didn't know that when I asked Cole if I could come hang out and do this, so now I know he, he's seen me, so none of you have, so I'm a little bit... <laughs> Either way, I, uh, it was my first reading of my own poetry, so I'm saving that for the end. So this is, uh, you guys are officially number two for my poetry, which is really fun and exciting. Because, um, uh, yeah, I busk and I sing, and that was my jam until it turns out I'm a poet. <laughs> don't ask me how it happened. I don't know. Um, and uh, so what I have for you today is another themed piece. So my last one was themed, and this is called... Uh, themed set, I suppose I should say to be more accurate, but this is called Mad, Sad, and Wet, because I want to make all of you guys feel exactly how I felt when I wrote these things. Um, it's alternatively titled Men of a Certain Age. <laughs> uh, we're just going to leave the subtext of uh, daddy issues there. So deal with them later but um, so this song the first one is called push and shove it's about my ex I wrote it because he wrote a song he's um, musician as well called push and shove and I was like fuck you I'll do you one better <laughs> and this is it You will push and I will shove until we both have had enough and I will pull and you will tug until we can deny that this is love. Oh no, is this love? Bites and you will scratch, but we can't, no, we can't have none of that. And I will shout and you will scream until we can't believe that this is happening to me. Oh no, is this happening?
this is if this is love why have i had enough oh, oh, oh if this is if this is if this is love why have i had enough enough because it's like I just go out there with no script and it's, it's always something different happening. It's like, you guys know that, that um, the Cranberries, the song Zombie? Yeah, yeah, this is my best busking song, man. Somebody jumped out of a cab to give me 10 bucks one time when I sang that song. But it was like, I used to sing like this soft, like, zombie like version of it of the song zombie and and then one day when i was busking it's just like that growl came out and i was like did anybody else see that <laughs> it was great i loved it okay so that was mad uh this is sad same guy <laughs> it was our second to last breakup it only lasted like 12 hours uh I came over to grab some stuff. I wanted to talk to him because we were broken up, and it was like, okay, let's do this. Like, let's, let's transition out of each other's lives. He was on the phone with his mom for like an hour, and my guitar was still at his house. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just waiting for you to get off the phone with your mom. Oh, that's my guitar. I'm going to write a song. Okay, let's do it. So when I say slave to the muse, I mean it. It's like, <laughs> that's basically like I am sometimes an animated person, but I... And most of my emoting that I do is actually through music and apparently now poetry, but I, I need to constantly be reminded of that. <laughs> um, so this is called uh, Give Me a Break. Um, <laughs> don't be too sad, because it all works out. I mean, I'm here tonight, so, you know, it's all good. Um, don't be too sad. That's all I'm, I'm going to say about that one. Again, my, my, I just finished this song. So, I mean, the breakup was in October, you know, the one that lasted 12 hours. And I just finished this song like last week. So, thank you. <laughs> you haven't heard it yet. <laughs> Don't applaud yet. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, yes. But me is 
I've spent the last six years apologizing if this is the last time we speak. Give me a break, yeah, give me a break. I know that all I do is take. Oh, give me a break, yeah, give me a break, yeah. team or something because uh, I never know how to end these song things. <laughs> cool. Okay. So the, this uh, piece was titled, al alternately titled, uh, Mad Sad and No. That's the first one. Um, mm, I know this. Men of a certain age. Because, you know, my ex, you know, uh, the, the subtext. The subtext is there, daddy issues. You know, he was 20 years older than me. I learned a fucking lot. 
holy cow, did I learn a lot. Now, um, I also have a poem for you. It's about another man of a certain age. Um, and we didn't date, we've never dated, but I, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to come across him in university and he is also 20 years older than me and we have a good time. Um, remember, this is the wet portion of my piece. And uh, sometimes I, I write things down about how, how much fun we have and it, and it brings me great joy, but you know, I, I wrote this thing down and I sent it to him and then I, after I sent it to him, I titled it Unsolicited Poetry. Because <laughs> I really don't think he gives a shit about my writing, but you know, we have a good time, so it's okay. <laughs> so Unsolicited Poetry. <clears throat> if I had known that poems about potential and giving up the drink would leave me down the rabbit hole with your hands guiding my descent, I'd have put it all down sooner. I would have laid it at your feet, my expression of subservience, my gift to you, a treat. From your tiny little temptress, not so tiny anymore, no less plagued with ardor, uh, but a temptress just the same, a slutty little slave with whom to, at your leisure, play. That's my time. Thank you very much, everybody. Now we have Jen Neal. Her short fiction has appeared in The Puritan, This Magazine, and Mesa Neuve. Her debut novel, Land Mammals and Sea Creatures, came out with ECW Press in 2018 and was a finalist for the Rogers Writers Trust Fiction Award. She's working on a new collection of short fiction which seems to be centered around ponies, ghosts, and ghost ponies. Here's Jen. Um, hi everybody. Can I just say how cool it is to see this number of people listening to like poems and short stories and songs? Like I know comedians and musicians are kind of used to this, but for me this is really cool. Um, so I'm going to read uh, three just very short uh, ghost stories, and if you're easily scared there's still time to get out of here. Um, the first one is called Ghost Ghost. She died on a Halloween night wearing the costume her father made her, a sheet with two holes cut out for eyes. There had been no white sheets in the house, so her father had used one patterned with knitting cats. Turned out that those cats were knitting her shroud. She learned something that night. Though you may be dressed as a ghost, the cars won't pass through you like, as she'd imagined, a finger through jello. A month after she died, her father woke with a start in a bedroom barely illuminated by streetlights. Then he saw it, the ghost-costumed ghost at the foot of, the, of his bed, a translucent sheet hanging over a transparent body. The sight of it, of her, made him laugh. He covered his mouth, had to call in sick the next day. It was an injustice to laugh because the living girl had been humorless. She never laughed at his jokes or made up her own. 
When she would ask why the chicken crossed the road, it was because she really wanted the goddamn answer. Sometimes, when he was packing his lunch for the following day, with the meta-ghost inhabiting a cobwebbed corner of the kitchen, he wished he'd made her anything else that Halloween. Anything would be scarier, make him feel something else. A ghost ballerina, a ghost clown, hell, a ghost little girl. But this is who he's stuck with, and so he tries to take her seriously. Because when the ghost ghost asks why she had to cross the river Styx so young, it's because she really wants to know. Most people believe that ghosts do not grow up. Once a little girl ghost, always a little girl ghost. And while it's true that ghosts do not age, they do mature. Did you think that a little girl ghost would exist for centuries and never come of age? That whisper singing ring around the rosy wouldn't get tired in the first decade? That night spinning the squeaky merry-go-round wouldn't become an affront to the ears? I sound harsh, I realize. But for some, the misinformation surrounding ghosts is a daily nightmare. Listen, there's a lot of, there's a need for transparency here, so let me enlighten you. Teenage ghosts are famous for slamming doors, opening fridges. Adult ghosts tend toward a defeated air, looking for a little peace by switching on the television or radio. The elderly undead, in some cases, may be found shuffling down hallways or standing silently, silently in corners. Lost, so, so lost. Anyway, as I said, ghosts mature, they do not age. They keep their appearance towards the living forever, or until they finally surrender and dissolve into the shapeless howling amalgam that powers windy nights. Do we hear about ancient Greek ghosts inhabiting basements in their, gladi in their gladiator gear? No, my dear, we do not. This one is called Two Ghosts. <laughs> He, yes, he being a ghost, brown-haired, went into a shop and tried on a jacket. It was an expensive shop with those handwritten price tags and dressing rooms with leather seating. There were two salespeople, but only one saw him, the one that was also a ghost. As the brown-haired ghost stood in front of the mirror looking for his reflection, this salesperson, ghost, said to him, those jackets are special. The company makes only one product a year, and this year it's that perfect jacket. The brown-haired ghost liked it, but returned it to the rack. The brown-haired ghost went back the next day, put that jacket back on his body, and concentrated on whether he felt warmer. The same ghost salesperson said, those jackets are special. The company makes only one product per year, and this year the brown-haired ghost finished for him. It's this perfect jacket? The ghost salesperson nodded, not a flash of recognition. The following day, the brown-haired ghost returned, had to, was compelled. He wore the same bloody shirt as the day before, again with the salesperson. The spiel was so practiced, sounded so genuine, like it was the first time. The next day, the brown-haired ghost returned as a sort of a gelatinous cube, sage green in color. He'd recently been thinking a lot about chicken noodle soup, and maybe for that reason, his bodily cube smelled of chicken broth and had little bits of suspended chicken flesh, or at least he hoped it was chicken flesh. The whole thing was sort of an aspic situation. Anyway, he went in, draped the coat over himself, and again, the ghost salesperson said, 
Those jackets are special. The brown-haired aspic ghost started to sob. I'm special, I'm special, I'm special. Whoa, 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 the ghost salesperson said. He hoisted the aspic ghost up and placed him on the counter. Of course you're special. The aspic ghost wiped his nose on the jacket sleeve. He, the ghost wearing the jacket, said, you never remember me. But now I always will, the ghost salesperson said. This is how ghost alliances are sometimes formed, and they are freed of their patterns and loops. Ghost love is uncommon, sure, but deserves to be celebrated like any other. Perhaps more. Ghosts have so much baggage, so many bruised connections with those with more concrete bodies. There are the deeply disappointing funerals. Next, beloved belongings are donated. Meaningless garbage, on the other hand, is tucked away and cherished. Corporal wives find new corporal husbands. Corporal children attempt communication with you in a darkened room but face the wrong direction and somehow attribute to you the idiotic decision to go on a singles cruise in the Virgin Islands. It hurts. It hurts. And people claim that ghosts are the abusive ones, something to be removed, cast out, or banished. And this one is called Ghost at the Door. It was her son who took over the brick house in the annex after she died and assumed care of her gardens and her border collie. She'd hoped for the daughter, but of course she was living over in Vancouver with that fellow. So it was the son. There was nothing at all wrong with the son except that he was messy. And so at night she would close the cupboard doors, pile the plates and glasses in the sink, and square his footwear. The border collie followed on her rounds. Granted, there was a childish flourish to her actions. She was a young ghost, after all. And cupboard doors may have slammed, dishware may have clattered. He did begin to put his dishes away at night, but he also wrapped chains around the cupboard handles. He invited strangers over for loud parties that lasted all night. On the nights that no one was there, one of her greatest pleasures was rearranging the porcelain dancers on the mantel. But one night he glued them down. That was bad enough. That was bad enough, and then he knocked them off their feet with a hammer. She told herself, he doesn't know it's me, but he did. He did. Who else would lay his next day clothes over the chair while he slept like she used to when he was in school? When she was alive, the border collie stayed on her heels all day, and so it was in death. To the sun, the dog's wandering must have seemed aimless, but it's hard to say why this infuriated him. In any case, he began locking the dog in the backyard. It's a terrible thing, isn't it? To think about a dog on one side of a door, scratching, scratching, and a defeated ghost on the other, scratching, scratching. It's so much easier to abuse someone you don't see, and this is a well-known fact. I feel I ought to lighten the mood here. Listen, though we appear as our former selves to the living, you might have guessed from the whole aspect situation that ghosts can look however they want to one another. And in our culture, this makes beauty quite passe. A traditionally beautiful ghost is likely to be very young or very boring, and we all know it. Oh, you should see the creations ghosts make of themselves at gatherings. Ears stretching to the ground, skin of millions of minute tentacles, so wherever you touch, you are embraced eyes that are the headlights of the car that brought death, 
Nothing but a black puddle, but a black puddle that you understand without entering to be bottomless. A passing waft of fresh coffee, a floating orb covered with the soft fur of the tips of dog's ears. It is marvelous, and I tell you, it does help with the pain. Thanks. <laughs> Our final performer is Abdul Aziz. Abdul started doing stand-up to try and make some new friends when he moved to the city, and now he's trapped in the metaphorical revolving door of Canadian entertainment. Here's Abdul. Hello, hello everybody. Um, it's always very difficult uh, as a stand-up comedian to do this show because there's people that come up here and they share very like personal, very beautiful stories. And, I, and then I come up here and I'm like, you know what's weird about human kindness? It comes in milk form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> I, I, uh, I, have, I have one story uh, for you guys that it's about the first time I ever heard of Voyager 1. It's about when I learned what that was. And when I learned what Voyager 1 was, uh, I was in second grade science class. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Voyager 1 is a satellite designed by Carl Sagan. And he designed it so that he would send it out into space and it would take pictures of our solar system and send them back to us so that we would better understand our place in the universe. And I heard that, and I was like, oh, that's cool. When does it come back? Uh, and then my teacher was like, it never comes back. And then I burst into tears. <laughs> and to this day, I don't really understand why. Like, maybe I had just seen The Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> And I was like, oh no, all of our appliances are alive. <laughs> and they love us so much. <laughs> I have some apologies to make to the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I did not, I didn't stick my dick in a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I know that's what that sounds like, but it's not what I would do with the vacuum cleaner. What it would, I, would take, I would take it and I would put googly eyes on it and then I would talk to it. And I would go, hey, Mr. Vacuum Cleaner, what do you want to do today? And then I would do the vacuum cleaner's voice. And it would, the vacuum cleaner would be like, oh, I would like to eat some fucking tissues. The, it's, he sounded a lot like Jason Statham. Uh, and then I would just turn the vacuum cleaner on and put a bunch of tissues in there. Uh, and, and, and that was ages seven to 14. And I know some of you are like, that seems pretty far-fetched. Uh, and to those people, I say, that is, m why would I lie about that? It's, it's more embarrassing than the alternative. <laughs> uh, I also, I, I, I remember being really sad because all, like, the, golden, uh, the Voyager 1 has this thing on it called the Golden Record. 
Uh, and it's this like record that has a bunch of earth sounds on it. Uh, and it's got like the sound of like children laughing and like the wind rustling through the trees and it has like some classical music on it. And I remember uh, like hearing that and then imagining like the satellite floating through space, listening to all these sounds and just being like, I miss home. <laughs> <laughs> And I, like, for a long time, I was like, that was one weird thing that happened uh, uh, because I was a kid, probably. And then I, <laughs> I, was sit I was sitting with my friend, and she turned to me, and she was like, hey, did you know that, the Mars ro that every year on his birthday, the Mars rover sings itself, happy birthday? <laughs> I lost my mind. <laughs> I started crying so hard. Like, the kind of crying that you, like, go to a bathroom to experience. <laughs> but I, unfortunately, couldn't do that because I was sitting in the window seat of a plane. <laughs> there, you can't go anywhere when you're crying on a plane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... Even I even halfway through the sentence, I knew it was going to be bad. Because it's like, the first half of what she said was, every year on its birthday. And that is already an emotional minefield. <laughs> that half of the statement. Because it's like, what second half is there that is a happy statement? <laughs> it's going to be bad. Like, I heard that, and then all of my hearts were in my throat right away. <laughs> and then she said the rest of it, and I started crying. And I, I think at this point, we can, we can all agree that I have emotional problems. <laughs> yeah, I don't like experiencing them. So they come out on a flight to Calgary sometimes. <laughs> uh, and I like... I was thinking about it, and it's these aren't like isolated incidents. I started to realize, because like I like I re I really experienced this kind of thing a lot. Like I remember I was like if I I was in a Dairy Queen once, I saw a baby drop an ice cream cone. I was just like I can't be in this Dairy Queen right now. <laughs> <laughs> like if I'm ever at a park and I see an old man throwing a ball for a very old dog. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I hope you both outlive each other. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like, I, 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 what's like, it's not just individual instances either. It's like these whole experiences that I have. Like one time I was on a bus down to Ladner, and I saw a guy eating a gingerbread house alone. <laughs> on the bus. And the, the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, I bet that's the last gingerbread house he made with his son before he dies. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> Why is that in here now? <laughs> and then, 
And then uh, the guy rang the bell to get off the bus, but he stood up before the bus came to a full stop. <laughs> and, and he was balancing the, <laughs> the gingerbread house so carefully, you know, so he wouldn't drop it. And I was watching it happen. I was like, no. <laughs> no, that's all, that's all you have left. <laughs> And then he gets off the bus and he throws it in the garbage. <laughs> because it was trash. <laughs> it, and it, <laughs> why am I empathizing with garbage? <laughs> Is the question I have to ask myself. And thinking about it, like I, I come to this conclusion, like, like looking at all those examples, there's a thing, like the common theme is like, it's like loneliness. It's like every one of those things in its own way was lonely, uh, except for the baby. <laughs> That's just a baby that wanted ice cream. <laughs> but like I, I really connect like whenever it's like there's a possibility that someone else is like this experience of like loneliness. And I think that's why that's because like I'm a <laughs> I it's fine. <laughs> I am not at all upset about that. I I get phone calls too sometimes. It's fine. <laughs> we all get phone calls. <laughs> Whoever was calling you is a piece of shit. Yeah, I really empathize. Whenever it's like someone's like potentially lonely, you should call your friend back. <laughs> Was it your dad, maybe? <laughs> All of my issues, like everything in my head is like, oh no. Was it a diagnosis? <laughs> Why? You have no clue everything that's happening in here right now. But it, it's this thing of like loneliness, like, like loneliness and isolation. Like I really, connect and i think i think it's because i'm like an i'm an immigrant like i'm a first generation immigrant and when you're a first generation immigrant like that's a really isolating experience cuz like growing up you don't really connect with your peers like all of the cultural touchstones that you have are not really the same as theirs. And you don't really understand the nuances of the language. So there's like this distance there, even though you're trying to connect. Like, there's one time 
like in my homeroom class. It was the first time I had ever experienced a secret Santa. And I didn't know what it was, so I went home and I asked my dad. And he was like, I think it's a can drive. (laughs) 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 So I just brought in a can of chickpeas. And and I put the kid's name on it. I dropped it in the box. I was like, weird traditions white people have. (laughs) (laughs) And and that kid was mad. Uh, (laughs) Understandably. Like, he got the worst gift. (laughs) And, like, I knew that he was mad, so I was trying to, like, throw suspicion off of myself so I led I led the witch hunt for the person that brought the can of chickpeas in but the thing is everyone already knew it was me because I was the only brown kid in the class and there was Arabic writing on the can (laughs) so it's these small things you know (laughs) And, and then the other half of it is that you're also isolated from your parents. Because your parents, like, they don't really understand you. Like, you don't have, like, the same cultural experience. So they're separate from you. And they resent you for it a little bit. Not intentionally. And it's not their fault, but it happens. Like, there's, like, one time I came home and I talked to my mom. I was like, hey, I, th- I think I'm the Chandler of my friend group. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom was like, if they're calling you Chandler, they're not your friends. Because <laughs> she just didn't know. <laughs> so that's, it's a hard thing to, like, explain to people is this experience. It's like, the closest I can describe it is like, if, if you've ever been like kind of on the outs with all of your friends, or if you've ever like lived in a foreign country alone and you didn't speak the language, that's close to the experience. And if you take that and you multiply it by 10, that's like what immigrant kids deal with all of the time. And if you take that and multiply it by a hundred, that's how Voyager One must feel (laughs) (laughs) all the time. My point is we really have to bring this satellite home. (laughs) Thanks a lot, you guys. I've been Abdulaziz. All right, that's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks again to all of the performers, Milk, Delito for having us, Matt Crisco for recording us, No Fun Radio for playing us, and you, dear listener, for listening. And also, that January show was our two-year anniversary show, so if you've ever come out to the live event or you've just listened to the podcast version, thank you.
Okay, we'll leave you with Milk's Mattress Ranch. This free the fig leaf falls to my feet.